It's the new year tomorrow, and that's us what we're gonna do. We're gonna party and drink and go to bed at a reasonable hour. Eight. Welcome back to the Declaration Podcast. My name is Ty Declare. Happy New Year, almost. It's the uh, 28th today as I record this, so we're almost into the new year. New year, new me, right? Yay! <laughs> first things first, Patreon. I'd like to thank the squad. That's Liam Nolan, at Liam Nolan, Matt Nafe at Matt Nafe and Boyan Ansonoff, at Boyan V. Ansonoff, thank you so much. Big shout-outs to the squad. Also, like to thank the Angels. We got Chris Pierce, at Chris Pierce 103. You know, we uh, move forward as society into the new year. We can move forward with our environment in mind and taking care of the world we do have. Pick up some litter. Make some, uh, you know, recycling choices. <laughs> sort your recycling. Take your garbage out. Don't throw, don't litter. Um, all, the, all the good things. Just, there's the simple things that add up. So let's do our part. And we do our part. You know, maybe the golf courses will stop watering their lawns every hour and so on and so forth. I'd also like to thank Mason Tim at the Bearded Bear 95. If you want to support the show, head on over to patreon.com slash the declaration online. We'll be happy to have you over there. For the mental health check this week, I had a lot of time off work because it was Christmas. And let me tell you, a uh, an East Coast Christmas with the McDonald's is a lot different than a West Coast Christmas with the Declares. Um, I think the best way to describe it would be wonderfully chaotic. Uh, it was, <laughs> like I said, my experience of Christmas is, you know, wake up in the morning, maybe go to church, uh, open some presents and then just lounge around all day and then eat when the food's ready. Whereas here it's social gathering, social gathering, social gathering, social gathering, social gathering, social gathering, open some gifts, eat some food, social gathering. And like the little introvert in me is, is absolutely exhausted, but, uh, I was lucky enough to have a one day work week this week. So it is Saturday. It is my time to rest, recuperate and record a podcast. Apparently I'm really excited to bring this show to you. Um, just the, the, the chance to take a step back and look at what 2019 has brought. Um, it's, it's a lot has changed. A lot has been the same, but I, I do feel like I've grown a lot this year personally. Um, I'm definitely not in the same place that I was in at the end of 2018. Um, I'm just, uh, I'm excited to see what the next step is. Uh, you've had some peaks, had some valleys and I've recorded a lot of podcasts. <laughs> so um, yeah, before we get to that, I am doing, uh, like I mentioned on the last show, the hundred pushups a day and you uh, let me tell you, first four days, um, my chest was just done. <laughs> uh, like first day, I was able to, you know, pound out a set of 40 and do all 100 push-ups in like, a, I don't know, nine minutes. And the next day, it took me about 14 minutes to do the 100 push-ups. And then it's it's slowly just been breaking down into smaller and smaller sets where I think on day four, I was down to doing like sets of five periodically throughout the day just because my chest would not function. Uh, today, I got the 100 in and I was able to go back to sets of 20 to 25. So 
my my stamina's coming back kind of surprisingly but yeah no it's um it's been very interesting doing something that maybe isn't the most efficient way to you know build strength or do anything but it's a challenge that i'm just it's a goal and i'm chasing this goal and yeah just having this having a very simple outline of what i have to do and it's either i do it or i don't and every day i can make the choice to do it or to not to do it and the more times i choose to do it the easier it is to just keep that momentum moving forward so if you're sitting there today you know you're feeling like you haven't really accomplished anything or you're just feeling a little down just start just do something take one step in the right direction so on the show like we've had so many cool cool guests and cool shows so far this year like this year alone i've had an nfl and cfl pro athletes i've had an olympic athlete had kinesiologist massage therapist barber um a survivor who has three kidneys another one who's battled addiction and has come out the other side of that uh, a few academics some former professors of mine a few world travelers my soon-to-be wife uh just an award-winning artist and some friends mostly friends i just i i'm very i'm very blessed to be in the position that i'm in and i'm glad that uh, i've been able to share some of this experience with you um after listening back to numerous podcasts to prepare for this show, I realized that one, I love to talk about myself. So 2020, uh, say less, say less, Ty. <laughs> uh, we've also overcome the squeaky chair from the Vancouver apartment. So no more squeaks makes a couple uh guest sound appearances during the show here. Um, but yeah, I we have a lot of stuff to listen to, so I'm going to get out of the way. But on this show, I have curated some of my favorite stories and moments from the year along with a bunch of you know tips for the satisfying and healthy life um i'm not sure how i'm gonna break these apart or if i'm just gonna go haphazardly with it but uh we'll see what happens so once again thank you for hanging out all year with the show i'll be here next year hopefully more years after that so stick around let me know what you think rate review subscribe all that good stuff um if you're going to this new year Ride that energy, ride that new year, new me as long as you can, but build some habits because habits stay longer than motivation. And uh, I'll be around, so I'll see you on the other side. Have a good one. Let's go. 2019 wrap-up show starts now. simplest advice you can give someone you gotta start yes i think you gotta start um and obviously a lot easier said than done um and even when you start you might do one day and be like ah, you know screw this i don't want to do it anymore but uh you gotta also start with something that you i think you enjoy you know mm-hmm. one of uh the things i always try to tell people is if find something that you like that is gonna you know be physically active. That's going to benefit you, but you got to like it. You know, mm-hmm. not everybody likes to go for runs. I'm one of those people, yes. you know, but for example, I like to lift weights. So that's something I'll do. Mm-hmm. Now, is that to say that I'll never run? No, but you got to start somewhere. And we're talking about, if we're talking about people who are doing nothing right now, you know, anything is better than nothing. Mm-hmm. One of the th- best things I think is just to go for a walk. Yeah. 
go for a walk. Yep. Find a buddy, find a friend, whatever. Go by yourself. You know, put up a lot of times. I well, I got a dog, so I walk quite a bit, but. <laughs> I'll plug a podcast in yep. and just go for a walk, yeah. you know, and you kind of feel like you're improving yourself in a way because you're learning something and right. also you're walking. So you're, you know, you're killing two birds at once. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you got to start with something that you enjoy. If you like riding your bike, go for a bike ride. Mm-hmm. If you like to go for a run, go for one, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? And then the thing is, as you kind of start, I think you find the benefit of it or you see the benefit of mm-hmm. it uh, rather. Yeah. And you kind of want to do a bit more mm-hmm. then you do a bit more mm-hmm. then you do a bit more and a bit more and the next thing you know you're you know you're working out here and there three times a week you know four times whatever five times a week i mean that's what i do but i started somewhere too you yeah. know obviously we started probably because of football because of football. i'm assuming yes. yeah so i mean yeah in that sport you kind of have to or else you're not going to make it and right? that's the thing right <laughs> is there's a big difference that comes between having to do it and then choosing to do it. Choosing to do it. Right? Yeah. We can fight tooth and nail and like just like put ourselves in the gym. But if we're not really there, our heart's not in it, then yeah. it, you're not going to get much out yeah. of it. But yeah, like I always see a big difference between if I'm going to go play football or if I'm going to go run hills. Yeah. Right? There's a big difference in my motivation and my right. approach to it. Right. Even when I'm playing football, I don't feel that tired. Yet yeah. I probably no, run no, way no. more than I would in any workout. No, you're absolutely right. And the thing is too is, is when when you're doing that sometimes you're running those hills because you're going to be playing football for that reason and we're really uh kind of we've benefited from that i think in a huge way Mm -hmm. because uh whether or not because i think you i think you mentioned it in another one of your pockets that you lost a ton of weight yeah yeah um when i was in the states um when, when i was transferring over i was basically 250 right um so pretty chunky. Pretty, uh, for yeah. a 5'8 frame, right? For, yeah. 5'9 no, <laughs> on, the, on the... Okay. Yeah, sorry. 5'9, okay. 5'10 <laughs> in the programs, uh, right? <laughs> okay. um, yeah, so didn't exactly fit me well. Um, I was basically becoming the typical American on, yeah. on the line, right? Um, moved up to Canada. Again, dep- I kind of lost it when got into actual training. Yeah. Going from basically a coach going through the bigger, faster, stronger handbook yeah. versus actually having somebody who knows what they're doing for training. Yeah. I lost some, right? Yeah. But didn't have the recovery portion. Yeah. And then burnt out. Yeah. And then depression. Yeah. Got into like just binge eating, right? Yeah. Up to 250 and then carried that around. Yeah. And then like I was saying is, you know, at work, job I don't really like, but I have free time. So I just started researching, you know, right. how to diet, how to do this stuff. Did keto for a bit. Yeah. Right? How was that? It wasn't bad. Um, It was on this thing. It was like uh, you are keto six and a half days of the week and then you have like as many carbs as you want one on night seventh, okay but that only proved like i lost weight but then i only proved to like reinforce binge eating right so i right. couldn't really do that um and then i got into intermittent fasting yeah that's what i'm doing right dude now. it's the it's my thing like yeah I've, i'm actually fasting right now like i haven't eaten yet today i only had my uh, coffee and butter right <laughs> a little coconut oil that's the uh that's the rocket fuel right there yeah but just doing something through that where it stopped being about the weight loss portion or even fat loss portion yeah. and just more about the health benefits yeah. and just by focusing on health and what that gives, that's yeah. much more of a motivation than I don't like what I see in the mirror. Right. Right. But I guess the point I was trying to get to is that you were knowing you already knew how to train for a certain right. degree. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And a lot of the population doesn't know that. Already. Yeah. That's so true. we do have a huge advantage in that aspect. Cause I was, I was, I don't want to say I was 250, not to say that that anything wrong with that, you know, that happens, but yeah. I put on weight too. Yeah. And I ended up 
having to lose a ton of ton of weight as well. And it was the same kind of deal. It was where it's just you kind of lose track of things. Whatever mm-hmm. life happens, things happen. You know, mm-hmm. whether it's good or bad, or you get comfortable, whatever mm-hmm. the reason may be. Yeah. The next thing you know, you're like, crap, how did I get here? Mm-hmm. But the fact that you looked yourself in the mirror and like you said, you're like, hey, it's time to make a change, right? Sure. And then you got to start. You got to start. Right? That's it. I mean, that first day sucks. Yeah. First day sucks for everybody, right? Mm-hmm. But the second you, if you never do it, you're never going to do it. Exactly. Right? And you always think about it, then it's never yeah. going to happen. So the cool thing about Lucas is he is an Olympian and that's obviously how he starts every conversation when he meets someone know, new. Of course. <laughs> But um, I think it's a really cool insight to actually talk with someone who's been through that experience because almost like we were saying earlier is that not a lot of people get to see what you've seen or experience things that you do. And I think there's a lot we can learn from that sort of stuff. So sure. just want to tell like your experience, like where did, where did your Olympic journey really start? Uh, well, I was doing track and field for would have been 10 years through high school, through like university and then. I had a couple of injuries and like I was performing okay in track and field. I was a sort of top 10 in, in Australia and, and number one in, in West Australia for a couple of years. And then a friend of a friend, I was working with him at a, a school and we were talking about um, like lifting and, and running and what my personal bests were and stuff like that. I thought it was just a normal conversation. And he'd gone to the 2010, the Vancouver Olympics uh, for bobsled mm-hmm. and uh and I knew that I was friends with him before. I didn't think anything of it. And he must have uh, basically given all my information to the guy in Canada, uh, the Aussie pilot there, and said, you know, I have a guy that might be good for you. He could be quick and on the back of a sled. And um, and then I got a, an email, or a Facebook message on uh, June 15th, uh, 2011, basically saying, would you like to go to the Winter Olympics? And I was like, what? Like, that's a dumb question. Like, <laughs> I would love to go to the Winter Olympics. Like, what's the catch? Right. And he's like, oh, you got to run fast and push a sled fast. And I was like, I can run fast, but I've never pushed a sled in my life, so I don't know. Anyway, kept talking to him, and basically we set up a, a testing camp for November uh, that year, and um, some people from the association came over to Perth and, and tested us, and um, we performed really well. Myself my training partner did really well, and they basically said, um, can you leave tomorrow? And I was like, uh, okay, this has already been one crazy thing after that. But you know what? Yeah, let's go tomorrow. Um, so we left for Park City, Utah, and then uh, got picked up at the airport in Salt Lake City. And, and the pilot basically says to me, he's like, hey, my name's Heath. Uh, I've been talking to you the whole time. Like, first time I met him. And he's like, oh, I'll get some rest. You're racing tomorrow. And I was like, <laughs> this is insane. Um, so basically got to the house, showed me what the bobs had looked like, sat in it, put a helmet on and was like, all right. Let's go. So t- the next day, we basically got to the top of the track, pretty much like excuse the pun, a crash course of how to push a sled, sure. and then basically, uh, yeah, the race was there, and first ever time in a bobsled was in a race, and it was the most insane experience ever. Like I thought it was this cool little roller coaster, and then you know, corner six, Park City, you get like absolutely like squished, like the G force of corner six just squished me. Had no idea, and I was like, what was that? corner 12 same thing happened got squished and get to the bottom and the pilot's like oh how was that and i was like that was interesting like, <laughs> I, I quit my job for this like you know right. what I mean? yeah, yeah. but uh but then from then on like eight years down the track here i am and i've gone to two olympics so yeah what was going through your head as you're at the top of the hill you haven't even been in a bobsled yeah. before and, and you're racing uh yeah i was nervous i was for sure nervous because I, but i'm like i've seen people do it i've seen seeing what they're doing I was like it can't be that hard 
like a jump in a sled and I'm not driving so I'm jumping in the back and the, and the, and the pilot's taking me down so but then it, like yeah I was, I was yeah shitting my pants yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> a little bit yeah. I've got trust issues <laughs> well that's the thing I never met the guy that was taking me down so right. that was crazy yeah it was an unreal experience for sure and you were on the brakes yeah, I was in the back of the sled. Yeah. See, I feel like that's a very important component of the whole. <laughs> for sure. But now I've been in the sport for a couple of years. The amount of times I've seen people just chuck whoever on the back. Uh-huh. And then basically when we finished, cross the finish line, he turns around and says, you know, brakes. And then I pull the brakes on. I had no idea where we had to stop. Okay. But I had a pretty good idea. It was a big thing that said finish and, and I could see the right, dock right. at the end. But um yeah, it was crazy. And then, like, after a while, he'd stop saying break, and I'd learn the track, and I'd know where the finish was and stuff like right. that. But, um, yeah, it's it's a, it's not a it's not a normal sport, that's for sure. <laughs> no, no. And the cool part about those sports that aren't normal is you don't really meet a lot of normal people doing them. For sure. Yeah, everyone's got a bit of crazy in this sport, I think. Yeah. Um, especially to chuck yourself down a hill and go 140 kilometers an hour. It's, it's a little insane. You need to have... A, you know, a few less brain cells. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And do you have, like, some rivalries with, like, some skeleton people or some luge people? <laughs> uh, not really. Like, luge luge stay very separate to themselves. Like, us yeah. and skeleton, we on the same circuit and we're, we're doing the same things. We have the same World Cups and, and competitions. And luge are separate. They they do their own World Cups. And even in the Olympics, they, they do all their competition first. And, and then we come onto the track. And they, they shape the track very differently for the luge shape. But that's probably why they do it. Right. Yeah. Okay. Huh. Well, that's definitely interesting. Yeah. <laughs> and I think if I was on the back of a bobsleigh my first time in a race, I would freak out as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was definitely a baptism of fire. But it, it sort sure. of, it gave me an appreciation of what everyone else really goes through. And I just sort of went and did it i was like i don't think i could have done it any any differently really with how everything had led up to this point i feel like that was just an, another bit you know that okay. was just part of it like i got a an, an random message on facebook and then i left the next day after a testing camp and then boom started racing i was like well if it was any other way then it wouldn't be that way <laughs> yeah. crazy yeah so from there what happened and then I was a uh, brakeman for about three for about three years. So we competed on the like North America's Cup, which is a lower circuit, and did a couple of competitions there. And then at this time, I was like seventy five kilos, so I was I was in, in pounds. I guess it was one hundred and eighty, one hundred and seventy pounds. Yeah, yeah. And um, so as a bobsledder, you need to be a, like a lot bigger and and stronger. So at this stage, myself, my training partner, are like, okay, we need to start eating. So we're we're basically eating everything, you know, under the sun. <laughs> And this is the first time we've been introduced to eggnog, um, oh. and so we met we met an American, we met an American that decided every night he'd have eggnog with creatine in it, and holy, we put on probably like ten kilos in a couple of weeks, and it wasn't great kilos, that's oh, for sure. Yeah, but we put on weight. Um, but yeah, just putting on weight training, and the training stepped up, and like lifting more weights, and and just meeting new people, and. Did a couple of World Cups along the way, World Championships in, in Switzerland. And yeah, it was a crazy journey from, from when I first started to basically going to my first Olympics. It was it was like traveling the world and basically what I wanted to do for, a, for track and field, but could never get the opportunity because huh. I was never that good. Right. Um, so I'd go around Australia doing it, but I was never good enough to go on the like, world circuit. Huh. Um, but then this gave me opportunity to perform against the best and, and actually became a better I think a better athlete 
for sure like I became stronger became faster and I got heavier too so it was mm-hmm. yeah, it was better yeah. yeah and like sticking with kind of the theme of the show um especially for the athletes who would listen to this right mm-hmm. is whatever whatever sport you do there's a mental side to it for sure and the people who can harness that mental edge are usually the ones who you know gain an advantage and do yeah. well yeah. can you speak to that side of it for sure yeah um it's it's funny because a lot of the especially competing for australia like it's we don't have we don't have a lot of money mm-hmm. and so basically we're doing this thing because we want to and if you didn't want to do it then like why do it you know you don't have to do it then no one's telling you oh you need to do this today you need to go to training you need to um compete you need to do this so we we knew we wanted to go to the olympics so we had to do everything possible to to do that um and it's not easy like the amount of people that have that have come on board to a bobsled team and left like that we i competed with a guy um who was from i think he lived in canberra in sydney Mm. um like around that area and he he started when i started pretty much the same weekend and uh he got he got to the the year of the olympics and basically called us all up and said no look i can't i can't do it like i'm I'm not putting everything i need into it and i can't i can't hack it pretty much Mm -hmm. And I was like, man, you, you've got the Olympics like on the tip of your fingers. Like we're we're just about to do this season, and, and we'll probably go if we if we compete and, and do what we need to do. So, and then people would come on on board as a brakeman, and they'd see the whole stuff behind the fifty seconds they see on TV, mm-hmm. and they and they you know having to polish runners, having to go to the track a couple of hours earlier, having to do all the training, and they're like, nah, I don't want to do this. It's too hard. Like yeah. it's not the glamorous thing you see at the Olympics, yeah. you know. Um, <laughs> So it's yeah it's it's tough but it's it's I guess being thrown in the deep end too I didn't really have any other way to do it yeah there was no like preparing myself it was just all right I'm ready to go right um, leading up to the Olympics it was a little different because I knew I wanted to be the best brakeman possible in in Australia and so I that's when I moved to Canada the first time I I said the only way that I can be the best brakeman in the world is to in in Australia is to is to move to myself to Canada where they have an indoor push facility mm-hmm. on ice and you know that's my job I have to be good at my job and that's that's what I need to do um, so I moved there in June 2013 the year before the games and basically trained in the summer in this indoor push facility and then and then around all the Canadian bobsledders and, and Americans and and then became the best athlete I could be doing that mm-hmm. and I basically had to remove myself from Australia because I knew that Australia didn't had opportunities, but not the opportunities I wanted to 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 be the best I could be, and and it paid off because then I I, yeah. I was on the back of the four man team for the right. game. So absolutely, yeah. You know, so yeah, well, when you have the platform, use it. That's yeah. like that's the message. Yeah, like I've been watching uh, the shop, you know, with uh, LeBron James in a barber shop with a bunch of athletes yeah. talking about stuff, right? And it's. So many times people want to either dumb down the message or shut them out completely. But Mm -hmm. it's when you have this platform, use it for good and and really spread your message. And I love that message of having the power of choice, um, especially with the choices you make throughout your day-to-day life. Mm -hmm. Like when you realize that inactivity is a choice Mm -hmm. and like whatever you do, you have a choice in the matter. I like that Mm -hmm. because it really gives you some power and Mm -hmm. you realize what your life becomes is within your grasp if you choose mm. right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. how did you see yourself take the choice in your life to really get to where you are today well just it, it was my choices were a lot had, had a lot to do with my family every choice every decision i made was to 
was the betterment for my family. It wasn't always for me. Mm-hmm. And it took me a while to realize, you know, the you can't make everyone happy. Yeah. And uh, so when I started making these choices, it really came when I had to make the choice because in high school, I, I, I was like, so I started playing football. I, football was okay, but as soon as I realized I, I was really good at it, I was like, damn, like, maybe I, I could really go far with this and I could get out. Like, I could make money or help my family or whatever. So I started to, um, I, I started to realize, I, I started. <laughs> Sorry, Priya's making Time's dinners. Time's up, get yeah. out of my house. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'm, the, I'm in the fish sticks already. Can we have a quick snack? Oh, God. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you edit these? Yeah, I can. You, oh, okay. Yeah. Actually, we had a we had a conversation on the last one about editing and stuff. But anyway, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. No, no, it's fine. No, I'm, I'm like tripping. Um, what were we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> uh, kind of the choices you made, and you're talking about family and just oh, the importance of that. Um, yeah, I was just saying, like, to keep it short, I was just saying, around when I when around when I was trying to figure out what I was gonna do with football, I realized, um. It's, it's going to come down to me, like, regardless of, you know, whatever happens. Like, I'm going to be the one running the these sprints. I'm going to be the one dying. Yep. Um, um, so when I left, because I, I left, I would, you know, when I was WGMO, I left my grade, my grade 11 year. I yep. left one year because I, I, I saw an opportunity mm-hmm. and I took it. Mm-hmm. And I then when I was there, like, it wasn't easy, but I, I made I did my best that I could with it, and then when I came back, I, I was a whole nother person. That was a that was a choice at the time when I realized like it's really up to me. It's really my mm-hmm. choice. I'm in control of this. That was when I realized it. So then when I like fast forward like next year when I got I had a couple scholarship uh, on the table, and that was a difficult choice too. You know, so when I chose Oregon, it was because I chose it. It wasn't because I was trying to please anybody right. or, or whatever. So, right. like, just, like, those small choices really make you who you are and mm-hmm. stuff. And even, like, like coming here, like, the, like going back to the platform thing and um, this podcast, I think it's so awesome that you started this mm-hmm. because it really, you know, people listen to this. Whether you realize or not, people listen to this, and I think it inspires people and it gives people a, 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 another outlet and maybe – they're listening to this and they're like, wow, like, oh, this is, you know, Tyler declare, you know, the declaration is um, giving me um, something to relate to and somewhere to go to when I'm feeling down. So it's awesome for you to do this for one. And then it's just like, it's it's cool. I was talking, the reason why I bring it up because I was, I was listening to um, the podcast that you did with Adrian yeah. and I was dying because yeah. like it brought back so many memories, man. Yeah. Like yeah. when he did the jacked up topic, oh. I, I didn't listen to the whole thing because it was the longest fuck. But I just like listening to like Jack, jacked, uh, jacked up and like just like what he's going, what he been through, yeah. you know, coming from uh, Japan, I think he yeah. went yeah. and his, um, you know, his, his kidney yeah, failing yeah. all that. Like, and I was talking to Matias about this. Shout out to Matias. He was like, uh, "He's getting just, a lot of airplay on this podcast." Is, <laughs> yeah, Matias is dope, man. That's my best friend, man. That's dope. So, like, because I think Adrian talked about how he broke his leg and yeah. stuff, and I was like, "Damn!" Like, so many memories. So it was just like it's full circle. You yeah, know? absolutely. And I appreciate those kind words. Um, and it was funny when you went away to Oregon and mm. Justin went away to Alberta. That in that year, the, the team kind of took obviously a big talent dip. But 
in the same way that you kind of left and, and took your opportunity, I felt that I took my opportunity because I think in that year, the team started to become more my team, mm, right? Mm, and mm. I kind of stepped up into my role and tried to use my platform. Definitely. Then when you guys all came back, yeah. oh, that was all gravy, yeah, right? Like, yeah. But it's interesting how we don't really plan the way life goes, but we got to make the most of the opportunities mm, that we do get. Man, yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. So um, I hope, like you're saying, as a lot of people listen to this podcast and you know, a little maybe some young athletes listen to this, what are some kind of you know pointers you could give some young athletes? Um, just how I said earlier, you know, just be gritty, man, mm-hmm. resilient, you know, because you're gonna go through a lot, especially as an athlete. Athletes always go through stuff. They always have to go through whether that's injuries or just dealing with coaches not playing them, whatever. Like you're gonna go through something. So how do you respond to that? What are you gonna do next? What's your next step? Are you just gonna fold or are you gonna come up from it? You know, so. That's the biggest thing is adversity is dealing with it. Um, and just like e- even if you look back, guys who are successful, guys who are um, just made it, like those guys, all of them went through something. So it's okay. It's fine. You actually want to go through something. You want to go mm-hmm. through adversity because that's that means you're on the right page. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's one of the things that I'm kind of really tuned into my, in my life right now is, hey, if you're going through something good, because it's a chance to grow. It's a chance to learn. And that's where you're actually growing. Mm-hmm. So I like that. I like that. Yeah. So we, we go to the beach and it wasn't even the one we wanted to go to because the weather was getting pretty shit. We're like, we'll just go to the nearest one. And it's called Burley Beach. It's a surfer's beach. So the waves there are pretty, pretty crazy. And so we get there. Most people are coming out of the water at this point. But there's still some people in the water. And we just parked main parking and just went to the water that was right in front of us. So it was like drizzling here and there, but not quite. And the crazy, like Vancouver skies, like, you know? Right. And then deep, deep in the ocean, it was stormy as hell. But like, it wasn't really like, it was cool to see, but it wasn't where we were. And then, yeah, what happened was, man, I had the craziest experience of my life. <laughs> like crazy. We were in about, I was probably in chest deep water. So not okay. too deep. Like it's still like when the waves come, they're definitely like above you. But it's not like it's not overwhelming deep, and Australia waters are just they're just brash like it's a series of waves. You don't really swim in it. You just kind of jump in the wave and you let it like kind Take of take you where it will. Yeah, yeah. It just takes you. You let it kind of fling you forward, and if you get like a really big wave, you just like you kind of jump your back into it, and then it just like kind of propels you. And it's just super fun to play in, and um, but it's just too brash to swim because of the because of the waves. Right. And then all of a sudden, what happened was. The four of us were uh, the four of us were just swimming, and then these waves that started coming were just huge, man. Like I'm talking like six to ten foot waves, like massive. And we we're just like, okay, we need to clear. And um, before we even could, next thing you know, we just look around. Like I just looked around, and my sister went from being like maybe like ten meters away from me to like all of a sudden like 20, 30 meters. And then like I got hit by this huge wave, went under. I look back up and she's like 50 to 100 meters away. Like I'm talking like half a field, like half a track length, like not all the way around, but just that vertical distance, like away. And I'm like, what the hell? And then all of a sudden underneath me, there's no more sand and just wave after wave just kept coming. And so I'm like, okay, I need to get, I need to get back to shore. I'm like, this is way too dangerous. And Mm. I started to like low key panic, but I was calm. I was still in control. I go under the water and I'm like, I'll just swim to shore because I can still see shore. 
I look back up. I was only in the water for, I kid you not, like 10 seconds. I look back up. I'm even further than where I was. And then as soon as I got out of the water, I got slammed by one of those huge waves. Totally took me off guard, put me right into the sand, like pummeled me into the sand, like deep, deep, man. And then um, I got back up and then I just got hit by another wave, man. And it was like that for, I never really got my breath back. And so at that point, I was just like, okay, I got hit twice, heavy hits. Um, I took in seawater from like the second or third wave, like a whole bunch of it. And I just tried to cough it out. But by then I'm trying to swim back, but do nothing was going on. I just kept going backwards. Right. And I tried to look at my sister and I could see her in the distance. And I just wanted to call out to her. Like at this point, I still, I still figured like, okay, like eventually I'll catch my breath and I'll be able to kind of make it. But I was like pretty panicked at this point. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to call out to her and let her know like, oh, fuck, I need, I might need some help. Like I might need a little bit of assistance. Like just come towards me. Just, just, a, look just at, a little bit. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> I'm, like just, I'm like, just, you know, like, like, like trying to like, cause it was scary as hell. And then yeah. she just looks at me with this like confused face and I had no idea what she was thinking. I didn't know until way, way after the fact that she was in the same thing just on her side. And so she was completely stuck and she was actually calling for help and I had no idea. And then I got hit with this a few more times went down a couple times and then dude panic started to kick in because I wasn't making any distance. I couldn't float because the waves were so big. So I couldn't even let it take me where it wanted to take me. I just wanted to keep me in place and keep hitting me with waves. And I tried fighting out of it. And then I started getting tired, man. And then you feel the energy slipping. And then dude, I kid you not, Ty, the first time in my life, I had to like scream for help, man. And I was just like, literally there was, because you have no energy. Like imagine like the end of a workout, times a hundred yeah. where like we're like it's not even about like motivation digging deep like there's zero energy yeah. and you're also like a full track length like 400 meters away from shore so you know like you can you have no energy shore's too far you can't teleport there and then you can't see anyone really around you and you're just like what am i supposed to do so it's just it's just extreme terror and then you're just literally crying for help like because there's nothing else you can do but even the help, like it's a risk to say help because you know you're going to get hit by another wave or you're going to be caught with your mouth open. And man, I don't know, like I saw after a bit of that, my sister was, uh, there are some guys going towards her with boards and I'm like, oh shit, like, like maybe something's happening there. I'm like hoping they're coming to me or something too. And they're trying to get her. And then all of a sudden I see that board that she was on flung out and just go way deep into the ocean. So that board got lost. And then <sighs> that's all I remember. And then one of the friends we were with, he started making his way towards me. I started seeing him, super tall guy. And it gave me a little bit of hope where I was just like, okay, I just need to like get to him and hopefully he can pull me out. And he got close enough to me where I was able to swim parallel to him and I was able to make some distance. And then, dude, I just hung on for dear life. I thought I would have been clear and I'm just like, man, I need you to pull me. I need you to pull me. But it was just so strong that the current just broke us both and we both got stuck in it for another bit. And at that point, I was just like, dude, in my head, I was like, this is it. Like, it was like, there was really no, like, nothing else. Somehow, I don't know what happened, but we just kept trudging forward. I don't know if the current started to move away from us or what it was, but I was able to kind of come forward. But at that point, there was so much seawater in me, and I was so tired that as soon as I got to shore, they literally called an ambulance, and they're like, yeah, we need to take you to the hospital because you're at, like, really high risk of dry drowning because I just had so much water in me. Yeah. that I was like falling asleep and they're like you can't fall asleep you can't fall asleep and I'm like man like I just need to close my eyes for a second and I knew it was bad but like 
I was like, I just need to close my eyes for like one second. Like, just please. And they're like, no. And then they took me to the hospital, put me on oxygen, took x-rays of my chest, blood tests. And they had to keep me there for about six hours until my uh, breathing rate went down. So, yeah, crazy story. That is insane. Crazy story. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> man. Like, I couldn't imagine what was going through your mind. Like, I've, I, like I, when you were talking, a couple stories popped in my head of like yeah. when I had yeah. like, you know, like, oh, this is real. Like when like yeah. the reality kicks in, like, okay, like we might not be okay. But yeah. I've never had like the ha- – probably having that times 10 over and over and over. Like, that's okay, the, that's now the part it's about real. it, yeah. Yeah. Like, it's, it's that extended terror, man. It's like I've been in situations where I'm like, oh, shit, I could have died. Like you see a car come past you and you're like, oh, my God. Like your life just like – it doesn't even flash behind you because it's so quick. You just like – you just notice that, wow, that was a scary moment. But being suspended in it is is something else, man. Mm-hmm. And it's not like how they have it in, like, I guess in movies or in stuff where you're like, okay, your life flashes behind you. Or you think, like, hey, um, you, have, you, you need to fight to survive or, like, any of that cliche thing. You're literally hopeless and you're just hoping for one breath. Like, mm-hmm. you're just hoping to get what you just want to feel, like, normal for a second. If you've taken, like, a super, super cold shower, you know it's, like, you don't think about anything except for just that instant where it hits you and you're just like, <gasps> and it's like that for 10 minutes, man. And you're just yeah. like, oh my God, like it's crazy. Yeah. My, my throat was sore for about three days because I guess that's how much I was crying for help or from the water. I don't know what it was, but. Probably six dozen of that, half dozen of the other, you know. Just... <laughs> yeah. But, uh, no, I yeah. messed up. Six of this, half dozen of the other. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Like they say like riptides are real and when you see it's like oh okay i get it but no yeah. they're real like you you're supposed to like sit in them i think and just let them take you where it will yeah but when you have like massive waves clapping down on you like are you really supposed to just wait in that yeah so there's like, like there's there's like different kinds man I'm, I'm like a phd at this now man i was doing like math <laughs> research after this because i was just like everyone was so confused how i got pulled the furthest like i it's it's so puzzling to be at shore's like reach to all of a sudden be like like past like the sandbar like it doesn't make Mm -hmm. any sense Mm -hmm. um and so what happens is is when the tide increases suddenly or you get an excess of water from one side and it meets more water from the other side they kind of pull together and you end up with a huge surplus of water and waves going into the shore and so that happens quickly and it keeps happening so you keep ending up with all this excess of water going into that shore and eventually you get so much water at the shore that the that the tide kind of goes high and all that water is trapped and it eventually needs to find its way back into the ocean past the sets of waves. And so what happens is it's, we're talking ocean here, right? It's not just like a little bit of water. And so it's different from an undercurrent where it's just going back into the wave and coming back. This has to drain past the, like past the point of where the waves begin. And so it goes anywhere from like a hundred to 400 meters back at eight feet to three meters per second. So it doesn't matter how fast you're swimming. You just like, dude, yeah. it was, if anything I could take away and like, I only figured this out like last couple, three days is like, this sounds so corny and cliche, but like, if it wasn't for this, I probably wouldn't have learned this lesson is sometimes in life, you're literally stuck. Like I was literally stuck and you can't be the person to get yourself out. Cause in that position, I was like, yo, if maybe I was a better swimmer or if I was stronger or if I had more knowledge of riptides, I would have been able to like maneuver. But I was in there and I know, man, it wouldn't have made a difference if I was like legit the best swimmer or if I knew how to maneuver because I was trying to go sideways. I couldn't float. 
I'm like, the only way for me to get out was to have that guy to be there. I don't know if it wasn't for him, like 100% wouldn't be alive, which is really, really like scary to think about. But it's almost like humbling to think it's like, dude, like sometimes you need to ask for help because mm-hmm. you just can't do everything on your own. And like, I'm a really stubborn guy, man. Like, especially the person like myself or like yourself, you know, you do your own business, you do all that, everything, you know, you try not to take handouts. People help, but like you, if it's there, it's there. But like, you don't really, you never want to ask or like cry for it. And that time yeah. I was just like, if I did it, man, it was, I didn't think about it then. Cause it was just, it was reflex. It was just like, dude, I'm going to die if I don't get help. Right. Yeah. But that's, that was the like only learning experience or like a really good learning experience I could take from it is that, holy shit, like you can't, some things you can, you just can't do on your own. Yeah. And like powerlessness is a great teacher. Yeah. And it like, like you're saying, when you get those moments where it's like, this is life or death or like maybe not that extreme, but even something on yeah. those lines where it's like, I have no other option but to ask for help. Like yeah. that's, that's a real life changing moment. And uh, another thing I take from that is like sometimes we think we have to be in control of everything and like have everything planned out. But 100%. man, when the moment comes, we kind of know what to do. And yeah. if that thing is asking for help, then we can, you know, we'll learn that. And I mean, would you say that you'd be more likely to ask for help now that you've gone through the situation? Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah. But but that what you said there, man, that's like my life. And like that's I feel like if I had one big limiting thing in my head where it's just like it's been the biggest limitation in my life and my barrier and it's prevented me from like enjoying things, the things like I actually want to enjoy and something I'm working on is there's a part of me where it's like and like some people like to say they're like that introverted extrovert where like if it's a situation I control like work or a place I'm used to or my place, like I'm the most extroverted person ever. Mm-hmm. And no one can ever think like, man, he's not a people person. And even on like social media, if I'm doing videos, nothing like that, public speaking, nothing. But you put me in a situation like at a like like a club, for example, or something else where it's just I can't control or be in control of what's going on. All of a sudden, I'm just not the same. Yeah. And like, you know, I lose that. Like, it's, it's exactly like how you said it. it's you kind of have to have this idea. And I think true power is having the ability to just be vulnerable and letting it be and then letting like just being able to trust yourself in that situation. It sounds a lot like something I discussed in the show before, of like a, a keystone habit where you do one thing every day. And like you said, if you do that one thing in your day, you can mark your day off as success. But usually what happens is once you do that one thing, other things can line up for you and it kind of gets your ball rolling, if you will. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, to the point where I've kind of not only used that as um, a source of meaning in my own life, but it's become kind of an ever growing portfolio of, of just creative expression of what I can do, of trying out different techniques and different mediums and different ways of expressing myself. Um and there's, it's kind of taken on a new kind of meaning as well in that you do, if you do anything every day for 1500 days, there are going to be some days that that thing, whatever it is, turns out to be complete poop. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I can curse on your podcast, Go but right okay. <laughs> um, so it ends up being bad regardless of what it is, right? So... Um, I think the, the kind of idea that comes from that is that anything worth doing is worth doing poorly Mm. in that 
through doing that thing poorly enough, mm-hmm. maybe eventually you'll get to something good. Yeah. No, 100%. Yeah. 100%. I always like to compare life to sports. Right. And the first time you throw up a free throw in basketball, you're going to miss, right? You're probably not. If it goes in, great. It's good for you. Do it again. Mm-hmm. And it's not through just being great out of the bat. It's the person who puts in the work, goes through the failures, and learns through the failures. And whether they fail or not, they still put up the shots. And like that's kind of what I see you doing here is no matter what you're feeling in that day, you just go to what your habit is. And whether it's successful or not, you do it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. In that, in that you can look back and sometimes I, you know, sometimes I might be feeling like crap that day. And I literally just do a picture of a cube or something just stupid, right? But it doesn't matter because I've done the thing, right? Mm -hmm. So even if it's bad, taking a step back from it, looking at the context of the 1500 days, um, and you see the peaks and valleys and the highs and the lows, and you kind of zoom out and see it for the bigger picture that it is. And I think that it kind of goes... As well, it's developed this quality of having, um, I guess I would say, going against the kind of Instagram culture of Mm. everything needing to be perfectly composed of, oh, I need the perfect selfie. Oh, I need the perfect day of, you know, my friends on the Vancouver seawall or whatever. Oh, and then we got... uh, What's what's the frozen yogurt place that people Menchies Menchies yeah. yeah 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 uh, and then you know or you see the picture of um, people at the coffee shop with it's the vertical shot of the top down view of the person's book in their notebook with the with the pen right beside it and their coffee or their latte with their latte art and all yeah, that exactly, stuff right exactly um, and to the point where I think this has real impacts in people's sense of self-worth mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. in that they have to have that perfect selfie or that perfect life mm-hmm. because you scroll through somebody's instagram feed or through their snapchat stories or whatever and you just see images of perfection mm-hmm. all the way down yeah. um to the point where this is actually having real demonstrable negative health outcomes yeah. like in society in that rates of mental illness and depression are skyrocketing for for girls particularly but across the board Mm -hmm. so i think definitely one thing that things that you can look at with your eyes has taken on is that anti-instagram aesthetic of not everything has to be perfect Mm -hmm. and even and even the non-perfect thing can be beautiful in the right context yeah as uh, Voltaire said, perfection is the enemy of good. Totally. Yeah. 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 Uh, and never let the never let perfection be the enemy of good. I think that that's the thing too, because yeah, we have we have kind of images of perfection in our mind or in society, and kind of we will almost never measure up to some hypothetical ideal of per- perfection right we'll never measure up to that so it's not not to say that you don't strive for it but there is space to be had for the moments when you're feeling low and and realizing that the moments in which you feel low pave the way for the good 
Yeah. Right? In that one is a, a precondition for the other, right? You can't have the good without the bad. You can't have the perfect without the absolute crap, right? Mm-hmm. In that, that it is kind of a yin and yang kind of situation, right? Yeah. In that one feeds into the other, which feeds into the other. And you can't pull one away from the other, in my view at least. Mm-hmm. So. I guess I would say take the time to get to know yourself mm. and don't be afraid to be alone. Yeah. Because that, yeah, taking that time and getting to know yourself and being able to like be okay saying what you need, yeah. learning what that is, that would be my That's, that's huge. Biggest I like point. that's, mm-hmm. I guess, I, I've been doing this for a while, but I, I just, I'm still learning that lesson. Oh, like, I have not figured that out, but I'm working yeah. on it and just chipping away really yeah. does make a difference. I think the biggest tip um, for myself has been that uh, you always have the opportunity to change whatever's going on. Hmm. Um, you know, if you don't like your current situation, you have control over that until you're six feet underground. Um, yeah. And it's just like taking control of that. And sometimes it's easy, sometimes it's difficult, uh, but it's not going to change by just ignoring it, hoping for it to get better. One tip I have in mind for a satisfying and healthy life yeah, would be to find, sorry, no, not find, would be to do things that make you feel worthful to society. Mm. That, that's what I think. I, I think if you can do things that make yourself seem smaller and the world seem bigger and the fact that in and like you can do things that make you feel that you're a benefit to society uh i mm. feel like that trickles down to a lot of different parts in life mm. and i feel that will keep you going because when shit gets tough if you have a role in your society you're not going to let yourself succumb because you have a purpose that's greater than yourself mm. and i think that if you can relate yourself to more than just who you are and what you can provide to people, um, I think that's a really positive way to look at yourself that, no, I have a purpose in this community, and it's not just a purpose to myself, but I have a purpose to community, I have a purpose to, if you're religious, I have a purpose to God, if you're like, you know, I have a purpose to myself, I have a purpose to my um, to my parents, then those are all things that are very positive influences that will help you ne- uh, override the negative and yeah. keep you going. My thing right now is trying really hard to not let fear control my life hmm. because I am a very fearful person, mm-hmm. right? I, I really worry about like what other people's opinions of me are and in this situation with at the gym, afraid to – I was so crippled by fear about mm-hmm. feeling or seeming like a predator yeah. that I didn't do something that I really wish I had. So just – that fear impulse is good, right? And like, if you're about to do something terrible, maybe lean into it. But when you're about to do something as innocent as saying hi to somebody that yeah. you're like, oh, this is an interesting woman, just just get rid of it. Yeah. Just just put yourself out there and say hi to somebody. Stop letting fear control your decision making, mm-hmm. and and that's something I've struggled with for a long time, and I'm really working on that now. Yeah. There's a thousand reasons not to do something. Just find one that makes you do exactly. it. Exactly. There's a couple good reasons for you to do it, right? Exactly. And 
and man, have I let fear control a lot of my life. Mm-hmm. I'm trying real hard to not. Mm-hmm. Um, so the the tip for a happy, healthy life I, is just don't do what I've done in the past. <laughs> Be better than me. <laughs> Put that on my gravestone. Yes. <laughs> well, goes along the lines of what we were just discussing, but let's go um, very simple and very to what I'm about. Walk. Move and walk. As soon as you get out, whether it's a shitty day or a nice day, get the proper clothing on. You know, it's about your health. But you need to move. Uh, simply, you need to walk and get your head or out of your own head and out of your house is uh, something that I've really found important. And it's so hard um, to do that sometimes. But you just it's, it's so metaphoric and so literal is that first step uh, out of your house is that first step towards something better. And, and yeah, sometimes just a walk is better than lying around all day. And, and those little habits build up because the next day you walk a little bit further or uh, down the road, you're running and, and that goes into a physical aspect, but it, it's, it's super with your mental state as well. I think getting out of your house and getting your head or hand in hand. And that's something that right lately I've been struggling with too, um, with like, say reading a book. It's just so hard. Like, I was just talking with my girlfriend about reading a book. I, 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 was, I got her a book uh, from my friend, uh, my friend's book. And I'm like, oh yeah, maybe you should read it. And I haven't even read it myself. I'm like, man, I'm having trouble with starting that first page as well. So I'm going to go for a walk today. I'm just going to get out of my house and just look at things, observe, just be in the present moment, not think about what's going to happen tomorrow or what happened yesterday. Just get out of your head and just look at random stuff. And once you can do that, you'll be in the present and the things that need to come to your mind will come to your mind. Uh, do the getting. Do the getting. Do the getting. The getting. <laughs> so you have three people doing around, talking about doing stuff. Mm-hmm. Be the first one to go do something. Mm. Act immediately. Make it a reflex. Mm. So we should do this. Don't allow it to be a decision on who's going to do it. You go do it. Do mm. the getting. That's like when you were describing like your your structure of like when you were imagining having you know aerobics first and what you would do with it that's kind of what i I saw was the difference between that like that pie in the sky idea versus having structure within or like acting within a structure idea is acting that's the important part is finding the ways to act and yeah i'm I'm trying to think uh, i have a little quote for that is so what the definition of a nightmare is a dream without action. Huh. So you can have all these huh. dreams, yeah. but if you don't action it, it's a nightmare. The dream is a nightmare. Yeah. So you have to work towards it. So, yeah. you know, everything I do, I do. Like, you know, people say, oh, you're really busy on Facebook. No, man, I'm really busy. <laughs> Period. <Yeah. laughs> Period. Yeah. I'm doing shit. You just see a little bit of it on Facebook. Yeah. And most of that, Everything I do on Facebook and Instagram, for the most part, is is a uh, is a gratitude towards someone. Yeah. I'm thankful for having the opportunity to do good, but I'm also thankful for the person that inspired me to do good. Yeah, and that becomes uh, self fulfilling. Yeah, right. So you can create a lot of momentum, but uh, you got to go do stuff. Yeah. And that's kind of the idea behind like Stephen Pressfield's book, uh, The War of Art. Uh, as opposed to the art of war yeah it's yeah like that fun right yeah and it's 
how like this the inactivity is just a breeding ground for depression anxiety and how if we just get past that and just act yeah then it just becomes so much easier yeah. and then it's easy like on the last podcast i did with krish we talked about this inertia that happens when that inactivity as well and just act yeah i like just just do, do it. it just do it i hate, hate, <laughs> hate nike it. but I hate just nike, do it but, you know, there's a lot to be said for that but, yeah uh, it's it's gonna sound really really like cheesy but just like enjoy little things you know mm-hmm. i i spend a lot of time thinking about the bigger picture myself and i can get kind of weighed down with oh i i'm still in school i'm working i'm doing this and this and this and this and this and then i'm not really appreciating those little little moments you know that you kind of take for granted you know mm-hmm. it could be as simple as like um for me the other day i was playing guitar for like literally five minutes and i was like oh this is really really nice and after that i felt really like calm you know but it's just kind of appreciating those little things i think you know and like and to take that like one step further is like doing one thing at one time not trying to like you know watch tv be on your phone have a conversation like just do one yeah. small thing there's, and like focus yeah. on that one thing. There's my other half tip. Put your phone down. I mean, I'm yeah. terrible. Yeah. I'm, I'm terrible for it. I'm, you know, they say like, don't look at it before bed. I'm trying to get so much better at not doing that. It's so much harder with like hockey back on. And I'm like, oh, I want to watch mm-hmm. this, but it's 10 o'clock. You know what I mean? Yeah. But yeah. it's, it's interesting how much better you'll feel as soon as you put it down. You're not mm-hmm. inundated with all this media, this news and, constant information because that skews ultimately how you look at the world right you might think it's a certain way because everything on the internet is tailored towards things you like and dislike so it's it's going to act accordingly right myself is just kind of as i've been saying this basically this whole time just kind of listening to yourself taking it slow um understand trying to understand why you might be feeling either happy or upset or angry, you know, like when you get, when I get those moments of like, you know, finding that crazy tweet, someone tweeted or so like, how could they think that, you know, but then I'm also just like, why am I getting mad over this? Or like, even if it's something more severe, you know, it's like, it just helps me understand stuff, you know, listen yeah. to people, take your time um, and be open with a lot yeah. of things used to be very well i'm still kind of closed off but i'm getting a lot better at like talking about things like stuff like this <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know? just because like um you know i just don't like oversharing like i have no problem talking about stuff with people i just don't like to be like by the way this happened you know yeah but so yeah. being open if like sorry that was a bit of a tangent anyways being open in the sense that like about what you're feeling with people you know if something upsets you let them know, but talk it like talk things out, you know. Um, yeah, exactly. If um, you think someone you know is doing some whack ass shit, call them out. Not call them out. No, talk to them personally. Sorry, that's what I mean by call them out. Like yeah. be like, no, I don't agree with what you're doing, or whatever, you know. And um, or it's like, hey, you know, you're what you said, like with a partner or something. What you said, you know, hurt my feelings. Talking about that because I find open communication in any term, in yeah. any way, just creates good yeah. things Talking don't ag- art. don't ignore it but just be yourself you yeah. don't have to be the, be the asshole because you got wronged just yeah you know it, 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 yeah no i i love all of that i i love all of that 
try to just like hear, uh, hear the other side of things you know like yeah like just always just be open you know just kind of yeah everyone ha- everyone has a different experience and you could everyone can learn something from everyone even if you completely disagree with some other stuff you know like everyone has a reason for thinking what they do or believing what they do even if i don't agree with some stuff you know yeah man yeah. and life, <laughs> and yeah life's all about change like seasons change people change and like the things that yeah the things that we do aren't gonna work for the rest of our lives it might not work today tomorrow or even today right like so be open be willing to change be willing to be wrong like life is just trying on different things it is what we make it so don't be afraid to give it a shot yeah change is amazing like if i stayed the same person i was in high school i'd be fucking i don't want to think about that (laughs) yeah exactly yeah I was like the same person I was like four years ago. I'd just be like, man, I just be like, I don't know. I feel like I've just, it's, it's new things are cool in any way. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Just yeah, man. be open, live life. Just at the end of the day, to kind of take it easy. Don't sweat, try not to sweat things as much. But it's obviously easy for me to say when I, in a way, don't feel ways certain ways. Some people do, but for me, that's what works, you know? Yeah. Tony, if I had a tip. It'd be uh, ticketish. Hey, so, yeah, at the end of the day, take it easy. <laughs> <laughs>